Hello and welcome back to Stop and Go F1 for this, our preview of the Bahrain Grand Prix. My goodness, it's been a long time since we've done a, a preview video. I almost forgot how to do it, but if this is your first ever preview video here for the channel, I'll run through what we're going to do. Firstly, we're going to have a look at some of the biggest news headlines of the week. Once that is done, we would usually go to Special Helmet Street, but there is no Special Helmet Street, there's no Special Helmets uh, this weekend, so we can't visit Special Helmet Street, but we will visit Upgrade Corner, which is quite surprising for the first race of the year, but we have a jam-packed Upgrade Corner coming up later on. Then we'll have the practice roundup, I'll take a look at the two practice sessions that we've had today, and kind of give my opinion on what's going on there, and then we finish it all off with my two predictions, and my two predictions, oh, they've never not been true. So there's a huge thing to grab you to watch until the end. So, let's talk about the news. What have we got to talk about? Well, the biggest news story is the Red Bull investigation was concluded with Christian Horner being cleared. There is a video on that that came out yesterday when that news first initially came out so if you want to see my initial opinions on that that's in that video there today there's a brand new rumor going around today though and you know we have to with this i feel let's not jump to conclusions that was kind of the main uh point of yesterday's video but there's a new rumor going around that all the team principals, as well as Stefano Domenicali and some journalists, have been sent a folder full of the evidence from the investigation by an anonymous source. So we'll see if that goes anywhere, because it's only coming from one person reporting this uh, at the minute. And I hadn't heard of them before, which you know, doesn't mean anything, really. Just because I haven't heard of them doesn't mean anything. But, you know, I'd take that with a pinch of salt at the minute. But that seems to be getting a bit of steam, so that might come back later on. Uh, maybe next week when we talk about the news again. But that's where we are at the minute. Christian Horner has been cleared by Red Bull, but it's probably not over, is what I'll leave with that. And someone else um, whose career is... Oh, I've just dropped my pen on the floor. Don't worry. I have a second pen. Uh, someone else is who, whose career we thought might have been over, but isn't, is Gunther Steiner, as he's been picked up by German media to cover the Formula One. But there's been a new insight into what led to his departure from Haas now. He's been speaking to a Dutch journalist, Jack... Uh, oh, I should have read this surname before uh, this video. Uh, Pluij. P-L-O-O-I-J. Well done, Jack. Anyway, he's been talking to Gunther Steiner, and he had this to say... Uh, Gunther and I spoke at the beginning of the week, but we weren't allowed to ask how it exactly went with Haas and what he would do. But then he sent me a message allowing me to tell what had happened. Gunther had found a $20 million sponsor, but told Gene he wanted shares in the team in order to stay and continue their relationship. Haas did not accept this, and, St and Steiner himself left the team. Now... This is very interesting, if true, because this is a dramatically different story from what we were told when it initially happened. We were told it was basically Gene Haas not renewing the contract of Gunther Steiner, so he wouldn't continue from there. Even when Gunther appeared at Autosports, this was never mentioned. This has not been mentioned at all until now. So again, I'm taking this with a pinch of salt, if I'm honest, but there are things in there which 
do add up. You know, we've spoke before about kind of Gene Hass's ego of it. He wants to be the guy who takes Hass to success and he's not accepting help from anywhere else. So Gunther having shares, I think, would go very much against Gene's ideology for the team. And also, you know, a $20 million sponsor would be great for Hass, but uh, maybe not with the added thing of Gene having to sell a bit of his team. So I think that could be true, but I'm not 100% on board right now. And moving to someone else who isn't in F1 at the minute, Mick Schumacher. Because at the minute, it's reported that Mick Schumacher's name is not at the top of anybody's wish list in terms of a driver for 2025, including Mercedes and Alpine. And Alpine have confirmed that he will not be receiving a Formula 1 test with them as they want to fully focus him on the WEC programme. Now, to be fair, I can understand where Alpine are coming from here. They've brought him in to do WEC work, so why would they put him in a Formula 1 car? Uh, Mercedes, you know, with Lewis leaving, you'd think that he would be discussed, but at the minute, if you've got a choice between Mick Schumacher and uh, Kimi Antonelli, then um, I would go for Kimi because... Mick, as I, I think Mick was hard done by in his F1 career, and I think he could definitely improve and definitely be better, but I'd rather take a risk on Kimi if I was to pick between the two. We'll talk about F2 and F3 later as well. I forgot to mention that. I should write that down on my notes right here. Before my predictions, I will do F3, F2. There we go. So, yes, Mick Schumacher, not on the top of anyone's list, but uh, Kimi Antonelli has been revealed as basically the reason as to why Mercedes did not offer Lewis Hamilton that long-term uh, deal with basically giving him the one plus one. Uh, Toto Wolff has come out and made a statement this week about it, basically comparing it to Max Verstappen in 2014, when it was Max choosing between Red Bull or Mercedes. And the reason he went to Red Bull was because Red Bull could offer him that seat immediately in the Toro Rosso, whereas in the Mercedes they had Lewis and Nico, and they weren't going to drop either of them, so they couldn't offer Max the same things Red Bull could. Uh, Toto Wolff said this, uh, there was a situation many years ago where we had the opportunity to let Max drive, and that wasn't possible back then because we didn't have a cockpit. Rosberg and Hamilton were tied to us long term, and Red Bull naturally seized the opportunity. They gave him a contract with Toro Rosso with a possibility of driving for Red Bull in the following year. We then lost a young driver, and, and you can see how successful he's become. And precisely because he was a junior on the horizon who was driving really well at a very high level, I simply wanted to keep that option open. Uh, Wolf has confirmed that Ancelotti will do some private running in 2022, in the 2022 car, sorry, noting that Mercedes will run a big test program for him in 2024, and we'll see if he's ready for 2025 or 2026. Uh, if there'll be a different situation. The conundrum over opting to hold back until 26 is what would require another driver stepping in for 2025, assuming that George Russell remains in the other seat and that his contract is extended by another year. Uh, Wolf said the driver market will be incredibly interesting because really strong people will be available for 2025. And Mercedes will review the situation over the next two to three races. So... Yeah, basically, they didn't want to give Lewis a long-term contract just in case Kimi Antonelli was really good and they wanted to put him in their car, which is understandable. And I think it's actually very uh, comparable to the Alpine situation of a few years ago, where they had Alonso, but they wanted to put Piastri in the car, so they weren't going to offer Alonso a long-term contract. And basically what happened there is they lost both of them 
Hopefully this will work out a bit better for Mercedes because they've already lost Lewis. But in both situations here, you have a legend of the sport in Lewis Hamilton or Fernando Alonso, and you have a young up-and-coming driver in Oscar Piastri or Kimi Antonelli. And in both these situations, the team principal has gone, right, we've got to get rid of someone to get this young guy in. And neither uh, Otmar at the time or Toto Wolff has gone, how about we get rid of the other driver? Because, you know, Alpine had an opportunity to have a driver pairing of Fernando Alonso and Oscar Piastri. And instead, they said, no, we'll keep Esteban Ocon. And in the exact same way, Mercedes here have an opportunity, well, they had an opportunity, to run a pairing of Lewis Hamilton and Kimi Antonelli. And instead, they go, no, George Russell, we'll keep him. And, you know, George Russell is a very good driver, but he's not as good as Lewis Hamilton. That was massively proved last year. Lewis walked all over him last year it's very like under the radar how bad of a year George Russell had last year I think mainly because he was born in Great Britain it's not kind of vocalized as much but up until the last race he only had one podium all year he really was not doing well and you know if I was in the position where I go you can keep George Russell or Lewis Hamilton. I'd go, Lewis Hamilton, please. And I'd do that a hundred times out of a hundred. The same way if I was in Alpine position, they go, you can either have Fernando Alonso or Esteban Ocon. i go, Alonso, I'll take Alonso. Thank you. You know, it's just, it's weird to me that so many team principals go, oh, that guy's getting a bit older. And it's only like just looking at the results. Because Lewis is still delivering. Lewis had a chance to be second in the championship last year. Against Sergio Perez in that dominant Red Bull, Lewis still could have finished second, you know? And Fernando was still massively delivering for Alpine. The Alpine car let Fernando down in the end. And then we saw him went to Aston. He was still doing fantastically. When you've got drivers like a Lewis Hamilton or a Fernando Alonso, who are these generational talents who are consistently good, you don't have to apply the same rules of age to anyone else. And even if they are getting a bit older... You then have your young up-and-coming guy, you know, sharing a team with this legend who can probably teach them a hell of a lot better than a George Russell or an Esteban Ocon could. I know you've invested in George as your next big thing, and who knows, that might work out at some point. But as of right now, all he's proved is that he's much younger and not as good as Lewis Hamilton. I know he beat him in the first year, but there's a hell of a lot going on in that first year. External factors that affected Lewis's performance. I think last year is the year to look at as two guys in equal machinery going for it. And Lewis decimated him. So, yeah, I I don't know why these team principals are making these decisions. And I wonder, maybe if we go, like, you know, ten years down the line, will we have a position, like, in Red Bull, where they go, well, we have Max Verstappen, the a-million-time world champion with seven billion wins, or we have this guy who's won one race, but we have a young guy coming in. So what we'll do is uh, we'll kick out Max Verstappen. You know, it, just, it doesn't make much sense to me and it's weird to see history kind of repeat itself across different teams let me know what you think i kind of rambled on a little bit there finally we've got a bit of news on f1 academy as the final uh, um 
full-time entrant has been revealed as Nira Marti, the Spanish driver, will sign with Tommy Hilfiger. And they'll be the Tommy Hilfiger-sponsored driver in a Tommy Hilfiger-liveried car whilst competing for Campos. She's also competed in W Series as well as F1 Academy last year. She had one win and finished fourth in the championship. So fantastic stuff for that there. And that means we have a full grid of uh, F1 Academy, which will be uh, next weekend is their first race. Of course, we'll be covering that on the channel. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm very excited for F1 Academy to see what they can bring to the table. So there you go. That is the news, everyone. It's time for Upgrade Corner, the first Upgrade Corner of the year. And... As I said, it's a huge one. So this is all the upgrades that they've brought over the past week between testing and the first race. So I don't know if it will be a lot of data from testing that will go into these upgrades, because upgrades take a long time uh, to build and a long time to get right. So I doubt it'll be anything from what they've learnt last week. It'll probably be from what they learnt from their simulations in the weeks leading up to testing. But nonetheless... A lot of stuff coming. Firstly, let's start with Aston Martin. They basically got a whole new car. So new front wing, new nose, new floor body, new floor edge, new side pod inlets, new engine cover, new rear suspension, new rear corner, new beam wing. Um, oh, that's it for Aston. Yeah, so nine upgrades for them, all performance-based upgrades. We then go across to Alpine. If you haven't brought that much, just new front wing, floor edge, and... Um, Another part of a front wing. So two upgrades on the front wing, one on the floor edge. Not that much for Alpine. Then we go to Williams. And my goodness, right? So this is what Williams have brought. A uh, new front wing, a new nose, a new front suspension, another part of a new front suspension, a new floor body, a new floor fence, new floor edge, new side pod inlet, new diffuser, new engine cover, new beam wing, new rear wing, new rear suspension, and a new rear corner. 14 upgrades on the Williams, all of which are performance apart from one. No, two are, sorry, circuit-specific upgrades. The rest are all general performance upgrades on the Williams. So the Williams is a massively different car from what we would have seen in testing. And to be fair, we didn't see too much of it like, in terms of onboards in uh, the free practice sessions. But what we did see, it did seem like a much more stable car. And what I said, basically, from testing is that the car didn't look too stable, but I do think it will have an aggressive upgrade path throughout the year. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it is towards the back at the start of the year, but will get quicker and quicker as we go. And that has started already here with 14 upgrades coming to the first race, which is pretty incredible. Uh, we go to the Racing Bills now, who also have a lot. So new nose, new front wing, new front suspension, new front corner, new floor body, floor edge, diffuser, side inlets, engine covers, cooling lubes, rear wings as well. We're seeing a lot of cooling lubes as well. I think a lot of teams are maybe a bit worried of overheating, especially Alpine. They, need, they seem to be a bit terrified of overheating. So 11 upgrades for racing bills. Then we go to racing bulls. Uh, front wing, nose, side pod inlet, floor edge, cooling lubes, engine cover, front wing, end place. Only the seven for them. Mercedes, front wing, side pod inlet, floor body, engine cover, beam wing, rear wing. 
Haas, front wing end plate, front wing, side pod inlet, floor body, floor fences, floor edge, engine cover, front suspension, front corner, rear suspension, rear corner, then Scuderia Ferrari, side pod inlet, engine cover, rear corner, McLaren, side pod inlet, uh, engine cover, floor edge, rear wing, uh, stake F1 team kick Sauber, front suspension, engine cover, floor body. So as we go through there, a few people bring in less and less, but everyone's brought something. I think uh, stake F1 team kick Sauber have brought the least, and it was Williams bringing the most. But yeah, people bringing a lot of upgrades to this race here. So the cars may be massively different from the ones we saw one week ago. And, you know, there are some performances out there that we'll talk about now, actually. Practice roundup time, everyone. So as we go into this, um, let's have a look at FP1, which was topped by Daniel Ricciardo in the racing bill. There was only six cars that went on the softs in the first uh, in the first practice sessions, and they were the McLarens, the racing bills, and the stake F1 team kick Saubers. So the racing bills were first and fourth, the McLarens were second and third, and the stake F1 team kick Saubers were 10th and 15th, so not looking good for them, but yes, again, we don't know fuel loads, engine modes, whatever that might be. Uh, the really concerning thing, it seems to be, and I might be, might be wrong on this, but FP1 seemed to be more race pace based, and FP2 appeared to be more qualifying pace based. And what's very concerning in FP1 is Haas. Uh, they did a few laps, got about 25 laps each. Uh, Kevin Magnussen was 19th, Nico Hulkenberg was 20th. The big concerning thing is the gap between uh, Pierre Gasly in 18th and Kevin Magnussen in 19th was 2.3 seconds, which is bigger than the gap between Pierre Gasly and Daniel Ricciardo in first place. So the gap between 18th and 19th was bigger than the gap between 18th and 1st, which is huge. I know hats are rubbish, but they can't be that rubbish. They, I, I mean, it, it can't be allowed that they are that rubbish. They did, they did, did get, they, oh, I'm stuttering now because of how rubbish hats are. But the day did get better into FP2. But yeah, bad start to the day. Now, there have been a lot of rumours about Alpine over the week about how rubbish they are. And FP1 did not look good for them either. Ocon 17th, Gasly uh, 18th. The real winners of FP1, if you can win FP1, were the racing bills who were basically on the same pace as McLaren. Now, of course, engine moans and uh, fuel loads, all that kind of stuff. Uh, also, Fernando Alonso looking good. He was the fastest of anyone on medium tyres. We'll go into FP2 now. And this was good if you were a Mercedes fan. Uh, you had Lewis Hamilton topping the session with George Russell in P2. A lot of people on the soft tyres here. Big loser was Lando Norris. He finished 20, apparently made a big mistake on his qualifying practice lap. Then just didn't do another one and went into more long run based uh, uh scheduling let's say scheduling uh, so he finished dead last there but you know the mclaren did have pace because oscar piastri was fifth good news for Haas was that hulkenberg finished seventh 0.033 off the back of max verstappen in sixth where was the other Haas though kevin max in 14th so yet again it may seem like Haas might have the qualifying pace but the race pace is massively off they have said that they think they fixed their tire degradation problem a bit. They haven't fully fixed it, but they're closer than they 
used to be allegedly so we'll see how that goes for them there but yeah very interesting people lots of people getting very excited off of the results of um fp2 i'll just run for the top 10 so you got lewis and george one and two alonso was third science fourth piastri fifth verstappen sixth hulkerberg seventh eighth for stroll the clerk ninth and perez tenth now of course we can't read too much into this but that is a very tidy grid there and seven tenths of a second separate the top uh, 10 and it's just under half a second between sixth and first so some really interesting stuff there. Uh, Max Verstappen complaining a lot throughout the day, but that seems to be Max Verstappen's thing. He loves a bit of a moan about his downshifts in practice sessions, and he comes out and just wins the whole thing. So, as I sit here right now, I st I'm not going to say that you know Red Bull have fallen off or anything. I still think Red Bull are the fastest. I still think Max Verstappen is the fastest, and I still have him to win the title by quite some margin. But who knows? We may have a bit of competition here and there. With that, let's get into the predictions. I make two predictions for every race, and they've never come wrong. So, prediction number one, Lewis Hamilton podium. He likes this track. He's good round here, and it seems like in the practice sessions, he's got a good bit of pace. So I predict him to be on the podium. My second prediction is that both Yuki Tsunoda and Daniel Ricciardo will score points. So there you go, there's something interesting for you. Points for both of the racing bills. That's it. That's the end of the preview. We've got loads of coverage coming up over the entire weekend. So tomorrow I'll have the reactions of qualifying. And on Saturday, because the race is on Saturday, we'll have videos on F3, F2 and F1. So all of that to come should be loads of fun. Make sure to subscribe for all of it. Tell me what you think is going to happen this weekend. What are your predictions? Who will win? Give me a podium if you want. That could be fun. Until next time, though, I'll see you tomorrow. Until then, have a good one. Goodbye.